I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Tired of pickup truck bed chaos? Meet Decked, game-changing USA-made full bed-length drawers for tools and gear. Waterproof, dustproof, lockable, secure. Whether you're working, hunting, fishing, camping, or just getting out of town. And introducing Decked Deco cases. Tough, modular, problem-solving cases built for the truck, job site, campsite, or garage. Say goodbye to random bins and tie-downs. Order now at Decked.com slash iHeart for free shipping. Decked, your truck, your rules. Decked.com forward slash iHeart. It's time to get inside the Giants home. Let's go, let's go, let's go. On Giants.com. I like it, I like it, I like it. And the Giants mobile app. Give me some juice. Part of the Giants podcast network. Let's roll. Welcome to the Friday edition of the Giants Huddle podcast brought to you by Citizens, the official bank of the New York Giants. I'm John Schmelk. Always my favorite episode of the week. Three different interviews coming your way today. The head coach of the Giants, Brian Dable, will be interviewed by the voice of the Giants, Bob Papa. Lance Meadow with a deep look at the Buffalo Bills with Vic Carucci. And then we're going to lead off with my interview with a Giants player. We're going to start off with my conversation with Giants safety Xavier McKinney. We're joined by Giants safety Xavier McKinney. Zay, how you doing, man? I'm good, man. How you doing? All right, what's the morale been like here? Obviously, it's been a rough go to start the year. How's the team keeping things together in the locker room? Yeah, I think it's been uh, uplifting. Everybody's spirits have been high. Um, you know, we come into the building each and every day just ready to work and um, see where we can improve and, and, you know, be able to change results on, on Sundays or whatever day we play. Um, but it's been good, man. We, we, we know what we have in this building. We know what we have on this team. And, um, you know, we just going to keep working and keep building. As a guy who's a leader on this team, young veteran, how are you keeping spirits up and also just confidence up that you – Guys are continuing to believe in what you're trying to do and believing in themselves. Yeah, um, I think you know. For me, I've seen a lot in this in this um, in this league. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I've been through you know the worst of times. I've been through some good times. So, um, just kind of understanding and explaining to you know everybody else in the building, especially the younger guys. Like you know, it's still an early season. Uh, we still got a lot of time left. Um, and although, despite all the you know different thing outside things that you hear, like you know anything can happen in any given any given season, any given game. So uh, I just kind of come to that mindset of making sure that we prepare the right way, making sure everybody's locked in and focused, making sure that, you know, we're, we're sharp mentally um, and then going out there and being able to execute. So I guess that the, this is a wider question. There's probably no easy answer to it, but I'll ask it anyway. What has to change for the results to start changing? Um, I think we just got to keep doing what we've been doing, honestly. I think, um, you know, obviously we want the results to be different um, on game days, but to me, um, I think we've done a great job of preparing each and every week. Um, I think we've done a great job of, you know, being in meetings and, and going through them different things, meeting with each other, making sure that we're all on the same page. We just got to uh, make sure, you know, when those, you know, those game days come, uh, we got to have a different level of intensity and, 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 you know, change the results come come game day. So I think it's just all about doing the, uh, you know, all those things that we prepare and, and say uh, during the week on those game days. 
So when you went back and you watched the tape of the Miami game, what did what were your major takeaways from you guys on the defensive side of the ball? Yeah, I think uh, for us defensively, um, I thought obviously we wanted turnovers and we got those, uh, but we we still had some. Uh, it was a lot of big plays that we didn't want to happen to happen. Um, we still got to you know be better better with our angles on the, to the ball, uh, better with our tackling. So uh, still just the little things that we got to correct, and um, we've been working you know in, in practice to get them corrected but like I say we just gotta you know once the game day gets here we have to actually go out there and execute it so that's all it you know boils down to so let's start with the good part of the film first what made the difference finally getting on the board with those three takeaways um I mean it, obviously it was a huge difference um and obviously that's what we've been wanting uh I've been I've been saying like once the turnovers flow they, they'll start to you know they'll keep stacking as and you we, the first one with the punch out yeah yeah they'll, they'll keep stacking as we go um we just got to be able to capitalize off of it but uh defensively we just got to keep keep making those turnovers keep creating you know plays for our offense to be able to get the ball back and put them in good situations and um you know just like I said take better angles to the ball and and, and do those things and and we'll be good yes yeah, so you might have already answered this question with the angles mm-hmm. how do you cut down on the big plays because obviously last year I remember we talked in the spring right yeah. and we said last year despite the fact you blitzed a lot you had rotating cornerbacks the one that you guys did a great job of was preventing big plays yep. both through the air and on the ground mm-hmm. that's been a little bit of an issue early on this year For so sure. how do you fix that both run game and pass game yeah I think um, you know just making sure that everybody's all 11 and running to the ball making sure that um, you know if the first person don't get them down making sure that next person is there to get them down immediately so uh, just being better as a collective group, as a as a, as a unit, and uh, we know that, and we we see that, and um, like I said, we've been working on it, and and just making sure that just practicing those little things to make sure that we can get them done, you know, come game day, just so it's not the first time that we're actually doing it. We're making sure that we do it every day. So yeah. So I think I'm seeing it on a film, but I want to get your take watching from your deep safety spot. Yeah. It looks like Bobby has really started hitting a stride the last couple of weeks. Yeah. Reading quick. Yeah. Hitting those gaps and making some tackles for loss throughout some of these. Games. Yeah, no, Bobby's been great for us, man. Um, he's a hell of a leader. Uh, he's a guy on the field where, you know, he's always communicating, he's always talking. So it's always, you know, super comfortable, you know, as a just, you know, defensively, no matter where you're at on the field, if you've got that backer that, that's always talking, that's always communicating because then he puts everybody at ease. So uh, he's been great for us. Obviously, he's been calling the plays for us too. So everything's been great, man. He's been balling. And, and you know, obviously, you know, me and him, we, we, we push each other. And and we try to make each other better and, and, you know, we try to compete with each other. So it's been fun playing alongside him for sure. And same relationship with Pinnock, I would assume. Obviously, mm-hmm. you played with him a lot last year. Jay Love yeah. was your main running mate, but you guys play three safeties a ton too. So yeah. what has it been like growing chemistry and belief with him so you guys can – you know, pass off guys the way you need to in the secondary to to prevent some of those big plays you're talking about. Yeah, I think I think um, you know as a unit, um, our DB room is is great. Um, I think that uh, we have great, obviously great leaders in the room. Um, you know, we got we got a lot of. Uh, great skill positions in the room and guys that can do different things. So it's been good, man. Overall, uh, obviously we got st- we still got some room to grow, but um, you know, like I said, it's a long season. So uh, as we go through these games, we go through practices, we'll get better and we'll you know keep the chemistry kind of we'll keep growing and um, we'll be able to go out there and, and execute and play well. How have the young cornerbacks been rolling with the punches? You know, these young corners they're gonna give up plays. Yeah, it happens. You yeah. know, D- DK Metcalf does his little rope a dope on Deontay, yeah. puts him to sleep a little. 
little bit, then Trey gets stuck one on one on press coverage on Tyreek Hill. Look, that could happen to anybody. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, nah. it's Tyreek yeah. Hill, right? Yeah. But how have those guys kind of rolled with some of the bad stuff that's happened over the course of the year? They've been great, man. Um, they they never get discouraged. Um, you know, they're they're always you know just kind of going on go. They they got a high motor. Uh, they never they never get discouraged no matter what. And like you said, like playing DB. I mean, it's going to happen. You're going to get scored on, you know, at some point in this league. Um, that's just what it is. You just got to have that, you know, next play mentality. And I think uh, the young guys have been great with that. Um, they just got to, you know, obviously they have their, you know, uh, you know, hiccups here and there. But um, having leaders, me, Adoree, uh, just having pushing those guys and making sure that, you know, they keep their heads up and, and keep going. It's been great. Wink asked, was asked about that play today on the Tyreek Hill deep ball. And he said mm -hmm. it was a schematic thing that yeah. you guys addressed this week yeah. obviously you guys aren't going to dig into exactly what happened because then teams can kind of take advantage of that later on but when you went through that were you guys able to figure out what went wrong and, and what you need to do to correct that moving yeah forward? for sure we, we we i mean we knew um on the field you yeah knew we know happened. yeah we know on the field what happened so is that a deal where just like a formation on the offense and the way they do things kind of just put you guys in a bad spot with your rules mm, nah not really it was something very very simple Got very it. simple um so we just we'll, like i said little things will get corrected and move on all right, let, let's talk about the opponent this week. Mm -hmm. Josh Allen's a different dude, uh, very different than the quarterbacks you faced this year. What makes him such a challenge, both with his arm and his legs? Yeah, um, he's a he's an excellent improviser. Um, he's a guy that's that's really great on the run. Uh, he can sit back in the pocket. He can make plays. Uh, obviously, like you said, with his legs, um, he's big. He's like Big Ben, but athletic. Um, he can. He's got a rocket forearm. Um, so just all around, he, he he's a great quarterback, man, and, and we have much respect for him. Um, so it's going to be a challenge for us, uh, but it's no it's no challenge how we how we haven't faced you know yet. So uh, we face a lot of great teams, a lot of really good quarterbacks, and um, he's up there with you know the the highest, the biggest best quarterbacks that we played so far. So it'll be fun for us. Without giving away state secrets, because I want you to give your game plan up, but. He's had games over the course of his career where all of a sudden the ball just starts going to the other team, right? Mm -hmm. And he starts trying to press a little bit and he makes some mistakes because, frankly, he probably believes in his arm so much he thinks he can get the ball anywhere he wants. Yeah. So have you guys seen some stuff on tape where you're like, all right, we need to figure out ways to try to get him into that mode so we can create some more of those takeaways we talked about? For sure. Um, you know, there's little different things that I won't, you know, say, but um, obviously, you know, as, as DBs, we're, we're always trying to, you know, create opportunities uh, to be able to, you know, get the ball back. So we try to find, um, you know, different different details here and there to, to see, you know, what can frustrate him and, and what can kind of throw him off his game um, and defensively just as a whole. So that's a part of our job. And, and, and you know, we've been, you know, trying to figure out ways to do that. And then Stephon Diggs, you watch him, and it's almost like you got to cover him twice on the same play, right? Yeah. Because he's such a good route runner on the initial action. Mm -hmm. But then it seems like him and Josh, to your point on the you know, improvisation, like once he starts scrambling, he just knows how to find space. So what makes Diggs so tough to cover? He's crafty. Um, you know, when you get a receiver that's that's crafty like that, it's always going to be a tough a tough day for you. Uh, like you said, him and him and Josh have um, you know great chemistry together, and it's easy to tell uh, out there on the field. And um, you know, he's 
you know, Diggs is one of the best receivers that we got in the game, not the best. So um, he does a lot of a lot of things well, man. He runs great routes. He he's obviously got great hands, um, and you know you've seen that for for the years that he's been playing. So, uh, but like I said, it'll be it'll be fun, it'll be another challenge for us. Um, it's nothing that we haven't you know necessarily seen before. We've seen some really good receivers already, so uh, it just be adding on to the list. Yeah, you guys had Justin Jefferson twice in the last year, and I would exactly. definitely put those guys in the same type of category. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Final question for me the difference with the Bills this year is they've run the ball a lot more consistently than they had the last couple of years mm-hmm. where, you know, they're averaging over 100 yards per game. What is it about the way their run game has worked off their pass this year that makes them difficult to to try to shut down both in the same game? Yeah, well, when, when you can run, I mean, obviously that opens up the pass game a lot. So, uh, and then vice versa, honestly. So, um, they and they've got uh, really good backs, um, and they've got a really good old line that that blocks really well for them. So, um, when you get a combination of all of that together, uh, obviously it works very well. Um, and then, like you say, you get you get really good backs that can that can run the ball. That's got really good vision. Um, you know, guys that run hard, guys that can make you know one cuts and get up get up out of there. So. Uh, um, it'll be fun, but uh, I think they've done a you know a, a hell of a job of, of just being able to you know do all of those things you know in the game. Zay, good stuff, man. Appreciate the time. Best yes, of luck sir. Sunday night. Appreciate you. You're ready for a change. Payday comes early with citizens, so go to that retreat. New you moves to the country. Now you're raising goats and launching a lifestyle brand. Are you ready for all that life brings? That's Giant Safety Xavier McKinney. Giant fans, I just watched this great new series with Eli Manning, Champion the Journey, presented by Citizens. Eli talks with Tracy Wolfson about life after the Giants and everything he's working on now, like broadcasting and his business endeavors. You can check out the series now at citizensbank.com slash champion the journey. We thank Xavier McKinney. Now let's head over to Lance Meadow. He had a chance to talk to Vic Carucci, who has covered the Buffalo Bills for a very long time. Giants visit the 3-2 and two Bills on Sunday Night Football for their fourth primetime game in the first six contests of the season. To help break down what to expect from Buffalo, we're now joined by a colleague of mine who you can hear on Sirius XM NFL Radio and a Bills analyst on WGRZ-TV in Buffalo, also a Pro Football Hall of Fame voter, none other than Vic Carucci. Vic, always good to speak with you. Hope all is well. How's everything on your end? Everything is great, Lance. Always great to be with you as well. Well, let's dig into this matchup. And really, you got the walking wounded, I would say, Vic, on both sides of the equation here because the Bills and the Giants are very much banged up. And I want to start on the defensive side of the ball for Buffalo. They've been dropping like flies. Tredavious White, Matt Milano, Daquan Jones. Who is the biggest hit? in your estimation right now, on the Buffalo defensive side of the ball? I'm going to answer this two ways for you, Lance. I think individually it's Matt Milano because I would put him, as would many others, right at the top of their roster of talent. Uh, You got Josh Allen at the very top, but Matt Milano is, I would say, arguably the second best overall player on this team. And certainly the best player they have on defense. And this accounts, of course, for Von Miller not being fully healthy as well. But Milano, just instinctive and such a ball hawker and a playmaker and his leadership, even though he's not the most vocal guy, it permeates throughout the defense. And when there is an impactful turnover uh, and in their three wins this year, they, they really lived on that defensively. He's the guy right at the heart of it all. So that said, though, collectively, my concern would be on the back end. 
where you have Tredavious White, you had Christian Benford. Now he's going to be coming back, but he was out of the Jacksonville game. They felt that pain, and they really feel exposure to to a lack of depth there because Kyir Elam, uh, their first-round draft pick, uh, who struggled as a rookie and then uh, spent uh, all three of the first four games inactive, a healthy scratch, uh, it makes a statement that they don't believe in the guy. And honestly, when he got out there against Jacksonville, you could see the struggles when he was on the field. Dane Jackson is also on this injured list, another corner. So if I had to say what collectively is a bigger problem, it could be on the back end. I feel like this is a bit of deja vu all over again, Vic, right? We were talking about injuries on the defensive side of the ball last season, specifically in the back end. Once Von Miller went down on Thanksgiving, the pass rush disappeared and they had a hard time navigating the safety injuries. Of course, who would have expected DeMar Hamlin to go through what he went through? But I guess what I'm getting at is why do you think maybe this time around, given the injuries are happening a lot earlier in the season, is going to be different than what we saw in the second half of last season? Well, uh, I think the biggest difference in this defense compared to last season is the guy calling the signals and preparing the scheme, and that's Sean McDermott now. Uh, this was Leslie Frazier's defense previously, uh, and and he did, I think, a wonderful job with it for the most part, but there would be a lot of challenges that this defense dealt with, uh, especially in the latter part of the year or postseason, where the scheme seemed to let them down, uh, allow too many plays to happen underneath because they were so concerned with protecting the back end. Now, this is still a nickel-dominated scheme. However, I think Sean McDermott does much more with his folks up front, his guys up front with uh, stunts and games and, and moving people around, creating those mismatches. And I think for this particular game and, and for games where the offensive line of the opponent is lacking, and, and I'm sure that's an understatement to say about the Giants, they'll have that edge there. So whatever we talk about in the way of injuries, even those up front like Von Miller – uh, on a li limited you know, return because he came back for his first game uh, against Jacksonville and played you know, well under 30% of the snaps. We'll see how much more he plays this time around as they ease him back into game shape. But uh, Greg Rousseau was also missing in that game. Getting him back would be important. Uh, and, and some of the others, Daquan Jones, out probably for the year along with Milano, is another blow to that front. Uh, as a tackle, but I still think that the the scheming of McDermott, uh, and we saw it against Jacksonville, actually was what held up okay. And on the back end, um, as long as you're causing the quarterback to kind of hurry his throws, as they did at times with Trevor Lawrence, uh, be disruptive. AJ Epinesa stepping up. AJ Epinesa. Stumble. AJ Epinesa. Uh, coming up big as a force at end in place of Rousseau, I think he finds his way into the rotation even more th uh, this time. I, I think those can be big factors. I'm with you, Vic, and I'm glad you laid out the pass rush because they lead the NFL in sacks with 21, and this is a very attractive matchup, to your point, against a Giants team that has surrendered 30 sacks. How much of the onus moving forward do you think is on them winning those consistent battles up front to make up for some of the issues on the back end and 
the timing of all of this coming in conjunction with the return of Von Miller, who I know didn't play a whole lot against Jacksonville, but Vic, I think it's safe to assume, I'm assuming his snaps are going to increase little by little here moving forward as he takes on a more prominent role up front. Yeah, Lance, I think it's all about what the front can do. Um, I'm not going to say can't do, because I, I think it will have success, even a mediocre front against what I've seen of that giant O-line uh, and the issues there that I I don't see, sad for the Giants and, the, and their fan base, I don't see improving anytime soon. So um, I think it's a matter of winning those battles. Yes, Von Miller probably sees more snaps and, and plays more. But I would also caution for him uh, the idea that if he tries to do too much physically, again, this is twice he has had issues with the same knee, major uh, surgery. And I'm, I'm sure that's a thought, I, even though I'm, I'm not going to try to get into his head uh, or into the team's head. But I know there are those around the club who are concerned that, you know, if he's doing a little too much or, or gets gets that foot caught in a non-contact situation, uh, that he could find himself suffering what might very well be the last knee injury he, he'll ever be able to have. Well, and when you look at the dynamics of this pass rush, Vic, and if Von Miller is slow in terms of his progress and getting back to full force, you say, well, how is it they're doing that much better making up for his absence compared to, as I said, post-Thanksgiving last season. You brought up A.J. Epines, who had a breakout campaign last year. He seems to be picking up where he left off. What about the addition of Leonard Floyd, who I think a lot of people thought would go a long way to help stop the bleeding from a Von Miller injury? And the numbers look good. How much of an impact has he made up front thus far? Uh, Leonard Floyd has made a, a really strong impact. Uh, it hasn't been dominant game in and game out, but it's been strong enough. And when you look at the collective uh, people talent that they have defensively, it is fair to say that even though most of the season remains, uh, if the injuries don't increase, <laughs> and, and, and let's face it, they've been hit with a barrage in a matter of, of you know five games, uh, if, it, if they don't increase, I would say to you, Lance, that they can hold up with what they have here well enough to still be a contender in in a wide open AFC. Uh, I, I think, yes, Kansas City. We know they're a strong team. Um, Cincinnati's been a, a grave disappointment, and I'm not even sure who else I would mention that is in the category of the Bills as banged up as they are now. Three and two, a record suggests inconsistency. And we saw that Jets game. And then we saw this Jacksonville game. Uh, were there similarities between the two? Yes. They found a way to lose against the Jets because Josh Allen just kept turning it over. Against the Jacksonville Jaguars, I, I would say it was a bit of a circumstance, the decision to travel late to London, go there on a Thursday night, fly all night, stay up all day Friday, uh, and have a walkthrough practice then, and basically have one decent night's rest. They were a sleepwalking team uh, against the Jacksonville team that had like upwards of, what, 10 to 12 days there because they had played Atlanta the previous week. And that was just enough, Lance, in a, in a close in a game that became very close once the Bills were making their comeback uh, to make a difference in the outcome. 
We're talking with Vic Carucci, Sirius XM NFL Radio. You can see him on WGRZ-TV in Buffalo as well, previewing the Giants-Bills matchup on Sunday Night Football. The penalties on the defensive side of the ball, Vic, jumped out to me in that Jaguars game, and Travis Etienne having some big runs. The reason I'm bringing that up is we talked about the Giants' offensive line issues. If there's any Achilles heel on Buffalo's defense that the Giants could try to expose, is it the run defense? Is it if they have enough opportunity to test the boundaries of the secondary? Where would you pinpoint perhaps something that could go wrong, if anything, on that defensive side of the ball? Yeah, Lance, I would say both areas. I, I think you're absolutely right about the run defense, the vulnerability that's there, and they've shown it. Uh, and if you're persistent as an opponent, and this is the thing, can you keep the game close enough in the early going where you can stick with the run? And, and knowing Brian Dayball as I do and his play-calling patterns and tendencies, uh, if they find themselves in an early hole, which can happen very easily against Buffalo, if they pop a couple of big plays uh, offensively and then all of a sudden in the first quarter you're down a couple of touchdowns, are you still going to be able to try to run your way back in? It usually doesn't work that way in the NFL. But if the Giants can get something going with an initial drive, no later than their second one, of plotting and and moving along uh, in a steady way incrementally, uh, with and, and if Saquon Barkley's healthy enough to do this, if the line can can give them some holes, I I also think it's critical that you try to spread the Bills defensive front apart and find those interior uh, cuts holes where they can, where the back can, can kind of enter and then sort of take it outside. Um, but the Bills have been with Daquan Jones, stout inside, take them away. Now it's Ed Oliver, Jordan Phillips, doing okay there, even after you saw Jones leave the game uh, and the Jags were slamming into that a bit. But once you saw those outside cuts, it was, a, it was a different running game. And then to your other point, testing the limits of the depth of the secondary. Uh, and that's where, you know, again, I, I think, depending on who it is, is it Daniel Jones throwing it? I know Tyrod Taylor's got a pretty strong arm as well. Um, we'll, we'll do things on the move more than Jones will, certainly. And maybe that combination threat of run and pass would be something that could keep this defense Buffalo defense off balance uh, and then test them. But it has to, I think it has to start with a running game. The only way the Giants will have success throwing the football, I think, is in concert with a, an established run game. And I'm completely with you because if they fall behind and they see third and longs, it's going to play right into the hands of that Buffalo defensive front that we've been breaking down. You brought up Brian Dable. This is clearly an interesting matchup because he's returning to Western New York for the first time since he became the Giants head man. He knows Sean McDermott. Sean McDermott knows him. There's the Ken Dorsey connection. I mean, everywhere you look, are we psychoanalyzing it too much, Vic? Is there somebody that has an advantage here? Do they need to worry about changing the language and the jargon at the line of scrimmage? Or is that just a convenient storyline and you don't really think it's going to play a big or noticeable role at all in this game? I, I think it could be an X factor, at least in terms of keeping the game closer. I would not say to you that, yes, because of Brian Dayball's connection with Josh Allen, the familiarity with him, the offense, Sean, et cetera, that you'd say, oh, wow, this, this is really going to be 
this is going to flip the field in, in, to the advantage of the Giants. I would de- never go there because it's still about the players, the talent overall that's got to make a difference. And I'm sure Brian f- would feel that way uh, every bit as, as does Sean. But he knows Josh. He certainly can tell Wink Martindale enough and has told him enough about what is 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 usable or, or would work and what shouldn't be done uh, for a scheme that does a lot of blitzing. Keep in mind, uh, Josh had problems against Jacksonville's heavy blitz scheme. Uh, Jacksonville kept him a, a bit out of sorts and out of sync with that. Now, there were drop passes that didn't help, and he still threw for like 300, you know, closer uh, on his way to 400 yards passing, but it was well into the 300s and two touchdowns, had the had the one deep pick, but basically played a solid game in, in a loss. Um, but the blitzing was bothersome. Martindale, here's the question. How much of it is, is going to be the reward blitzing and how much risk are you going to take? Because that's where this game could get out of hand because Josh will take advantage of those, and he's got digs, and he's got Gabe Davis. Um, but back to, to Dayball, yeah, he knows as much about Josh's strengths and weaknesses in it as anybody. Josh doesn't have many weaknesses, but if anybody knows them thoroughly, it's Dayball. Ken Dorsey basically you know, learned this offense at the elbow of Dayball. And and he knows w- what Ken's thinking is in as uh, is as well. So uh, it, that's going to be curious to me. I'm I'm really going to be fascinated. I, I would have to say that uh, as a co- I mean, how many times have we seen this? There's so many coaches that change teams and or coordinators go. And does it does it come back and help? Sometimes more than others. But I will say. Do you see the Bills do like a wholesale change of everything terminology-wise? I don't think that's where this matters. Brian Dayball left Buffalo knowing at some point or when the schedule came out, of course they're going to have all their nomenclature changed. Um, It would be stupid not to, but it's more about what he knows about tendencies. Now, speaking of tendencies, as we flip the script to the offense, last season, Josh Allen was plagued by red zone turnovers specifically. And I know that was a big emphasis this season, clean it up. And then we saw the Jets game and he was taking those home runs. They came back to bite him. From what I've seen, Vic, since then, the Raiders game, I don't want to say it was a conservative approach, but it seemed like he was utilizing the short passes, not trying to press the envelope. How much has Allen's mindset changed since that opener against the Jets? And how much do you think he's cleaning up some of those mishaps that he was played by last season? Lance, I, I think he's uh, become a different guy in in a matter, and it, and it happened really in a matter of, I'm going to say an hour or a day or whatever you want to call it, whatever that impact was of that Jet game. That Jet game hit him between the eyes. Uh, it was... It was the pronounced alarm clock, eye opener, whatever you want to call it, uh, where he was forcing things, where he just felt, and and I don't know if it was the 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 you know the stage, the Monday night stage, uh, the idea that there was all this focus going into the game on Aaron Rodgers, which disappeared quickly, but the the magnitude did not leave him. Uh, or or Ken Dorsey or anybody who I think was prepping for that game. I think they were still in this mindset of we've got to do more 
and especially offensively, and I've got to do more. Josh Allen saying this to himself and then realizing, no, play within yourself. Let the game come to you. Utilize your assets. Run after catch. And and there was, I know, a lot of conversation about that in the aftermath that had to happen. Hard conversations in the days that follow that Jet game and then leading up to, like you say, that Raider game. Uh, and then beyond all of that, you saw even in the Jacksonville game, I mean, you saw it against Washington and then the Jacksonville game, though it was a loss, Josh was mostly the same Josh he had been in the previous three victories. He he didn't look like, excuse, you know, he didn't look like um, a guy who was trying to do too many things, wasn't trying to force too much. The Miami game was another example where, okay, was he going to revert back to the Jets version? No, he stayed, and, you know, that was a 48-point output. I mean, that was a team that uh, also defensively, even though they allowed three touchdowns, defensively were pretty sound. And that's where I think Josh's head has arrived, and this is probably the conversation, the big conversation with Sean McDermott. Let let our team be, you know, we're not going to operate in a vacuum here. Let this team, let this offense and defense uh, collaborate and and when you do things, do it in, in with a, uh, a, a a mindset that the defense is going to do X, you're going to do Y, but it they have to agree with each other. Yeah, in terms of cleaning up each other's messes or complimenting right. one another, which is essentially what you're laying out, and I, I think that's a very valid point. So we know he's relying on his usual suspects: Stephon Diggs, Gabriel Davis, nine of the eleven touchdown passes. I want to focus on the tight ends, though, Vic, and maybe this is a fantasy owner in me speaking, but Dalton Kincaid. Okay, there was a lot of excitement. They drafted him out of Utah. He was essentially a wide receiver in a tight end's body and that maybe he would take over for the absence of Cole Beasley, who coincidentally is now with the Giants. And it's not that he hasn't been targeted, Vic, but it's the depth of target. The fact that we're not seeing a lot of explosive plays, a lot of short passes. I guess what I'm getting at is what do we make of this? Is he still getting a feel for the offense? Are they just scratching the surface? Why is he not truly made that big of an impact, at least off of paper at this point? Well, I'll say that this is truth in advertising. Uh, and what I mean by that is when that pick was made, when Brandon Bean made that choice uh, and then met with reporters shortly thereafter, he explained that they basically drafted a slot receiver with their first pick with their number one draft pick. Uh, and yes, the position is tight end, but this guy will run slot routes, will line up in the slot, and he'll be the bigger slot guy uh, than you normally see. Uh, and he, in fact, he went so far as to say, when we're in formation, when Knox is out there and Kincaid is out there, it won't be so much 12 personnel, it'll be uh, 11 and a half personnel. <laughs> and and I kind of that stuck with me and and there's a lot of truth to that because that's exactly how he is being used. Uh, the depth of those routes, it's not an accident that the feeling is he'll he'll move the sticks for you. Uh, how many big plays is he gonna make beyond that? We'll see. And by the way, you know, he has been, as you and I are recording this in concussion protocol, so that's something to look at uh, this particular game. Uh, do I see him emerging more 
probably there's going to be an evolution, uh, as you would expect for any rookie to figure out more about NFL coverages and, and how how they can be exploited and how he can be utilized in a bigger way. I thought we would see more, I will say this, more through these first five games of him in the red zone, and, and there hasn't really been a ton of that. And keep in mind, Dawson Knox is one of the higher-paid tight ends in the league. They need to get their money's worth out of him, Lance. I mean, the basic business decision is you draft this kid in the first round, yes, but you've got Dawson Knox. You're invested in Dawson, Dawson Knox and wanting him to be as much a, a big target as possible, and he still is, uh, though he's dealing with a wrist injury that that came up uh, that was announced this week. So I, I, I it's going to be interesting to see how it evolves, but I, I'm, I'm not going to lie, I because I'm on the record of saying this, I didn't love that pick. I thought it was somewhat of a reach, I, you know, moving up to get him uh, – I don't. I, it felt like a panic move. I felt like he would he he could fall to them and possibly even lower than the first round. The guy that I love that they drafted it was a second round pick. Uh, you know, is Osiris Torrance is is the guard from Florida who has been terrific. Now he had two holding calls uh, in three snaps against Jacksonville late in the game that were problematic. There were a lot of flags. I know you asked me about the flags and I didn't really address that earlier. I, I thought that officiating crew was ridiculous uh, for both sides and calling some there were there was an egregious uh, roughing the passer ba- egregiously bad roughing the passer call on the Jaguars and an egregiously bad uh, uh, you know contact downfield on uh, Jordan Poyer on the Bills uh, ju- they just were it was a flag fest and really for nine thirty in the morning uh, Eastern Time kickoff. You don't want that. You're still drinking your coffee. You're trying to wake up. But uh, but I digress. Uh, I think uh, this offense is still built to have the biggest plays come from Stefan Diggs, from Gabe Davis, uh, first and foremost. And Knox will be the, the next guy in line. And then those moving in the chain sort of like extended, what do they call them, the long handoffs type of plays, right, that, that we used to – refer to that with the Patriots and their scheme, uh, Julian Edelman and so forth. That's kind of what I think, uh, at least for this year, what Dalton Kincaid's role is. Vic, I want to finish off where you were talking about the offensive line because there seemed to be an emphasis of boosting the interior. They brought in Connor McGovern from the Cowboys as well, and you brought up the draft pick. And there was also a goal of let's bring in some more conventional backs and maybe be able to run it effectively in the red zone outside of Josh Allen. And I think we've seen some flashes with Latavius Murray, especially if you go back to the Raiders game. What have the dynamics been like in terms of maybe easing Josh Allen's run presence and trying to emphasize some of these other guys to be a little bit more versatile in keeping defenses on their toes in those tight areas in the red zone? Yeah, well, and here's the thing. I'm, I, I was boasting about Torrance's play. Uh, up until this Jacksonville game, I thought the O-line was doing a terrific job with the run game. I think there was a combination of things. They didn't, they didn't run. They ran terribly, and James Cook, their lead back, had minus yards. Uh, you can't do that and, and likely succeed. I think he, what did they end up with, like 29 rushing yards total, as as Sean McDermott said, you don't win many games with that, and and yet they were in a position to win. Um, but 
they were at their best in those three consecutive victories with the running game rolling. And it starts with that line. Uh, the backs, uh, Cook, Damian Harris, Latavius Murray. It, it's a nice combination, nice changeup when they have it. But it, they got to stay committed to it. I, I believe they will. I believe they will. I believe part of what you, a big part of what you do when another team is blitzing uh, is try to slow it down with those run plays, right? You, you just want to give them something else to worry about. Now, you can blitz effectively to stop the run, true, but I don't know, the, and, and I will give Jacksonville credit for doing some of that, but I also want to say that Ken Dorsey can't abandon that, uh, that philosophy of trying to run the football and balance it out because the best version of this offense is Allen throwing to eight or nine different receivers. He had, he had a couple games in a row with nine different guys catching the ball. That, believe me, that's, you know, that stretches the defense out. And then two, uh, the balance of the run game. And when they played, when they beat Miami, they ran the football 29 times. They threw the football 25 times in a, in a, in a day when they had 48 points. So that, really as a formula kind of tells you, I don't I will tell you that's not likely to be what you're going to see game in and game out from Buffalo, more runs than passes. But but that really is a, a telling kind of uh, stat. Well, and to your point, it'll be interesting because they just played the Dolphins, the Giants, after the Dolphins went up against the Bills and Miami pounded the football on the ground. They did have some explosive plays and we know the Giants pass rush has had five sacks and not a lot of disruptive plays and quarterback hits. So this could be a game, Vic, where maybe Ken Dorsey does think, hey, we can really try to test them in terms of their tackling and make sure that they can't disrupt anything with respect to the pass rush. I would absolutely see that. Yes. I, I mean, again, I the the way I can see this game playing out is Buffalo just coming into it with more of this power approach. I, I do think there is some of that hit them with it, hit them hard in the mouth. You know, the the knockout blow early discouraged them. It's it's Monday, it's uh, uh, Sunday night football. It's a it's a game where you know it, with the, the the stage and the hype being what it is. Uh, but if you get them discouraged early enough, uh, then you can take control and do what you want to do. So for Buffalo, it is just what you said. Come out, stay true to the run, uh, you know, blow them off the ball, make those plays, and then feed off of that and start piling up some points. Get them into a deep enough hole where now your defense is just teeing off. And 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 I think once that happens, I I this could get way out of hand. I'm, I've my mental score of this thing has kept it in the 30s. I don't know why, because I probably should be in the 40s, maybe even 50s. I don't know for Buffalo, because it could turn into that kind of game. It could turn really ugly. We saw that happen with the Giants uh, once already, uh, and you know, sadly for them, um, th this is the kind of game it could be. Yeah, especially based on what Dallas did, as you mentioned, Miami and the Giants have had a very tough time scoring in the first half, Vic. They don't even have an offensive touchdown. It's a defensive touchdown that has accounted for all of their scores. So I think that definitely puts things in perspective. He is Vic Carucci. You can hear him on Sirius XM NFL Radio. See him on WGRZ-TV in Buffalo. Vic, always a blast. This was like doing three segments on Channel 88, essentially. So it's always good well, catching up with you, and I much appreciate the time of the insight. Lance, I always uh, love talking ball with you, my friend. You love turf. You're good at it. So you start a turf biz. Business grows. 
your savings grow. Become the most celebrated name in turf. Are you ready for all that life brings? Hey, Giant fans, Citizens is presenting a new video series, Champion the Journey, where Eli Manning talks with Tracy Wolfson about how his elite quarterbacking skills help make him succeed in his post-football career. Watch the series now at citizensbank.com slash champion the journey. Citizens, the official bank of the New York Giants. We thank Vic. We thank Lance for giving us an inside look at the Buffalo Bills. Now let's turn our attention to the head coach of the New York football Giants, Brian Dable with Bob Papa. And as always, we're joined by the head coach of the New York Giants, Brian Dable. Primetime game in Buffalo against the Bills. Bills come in at three and two Giants, one and four on the season. And Coach, I know you're focused on the job, like you got to get the job done, but is there any kind of sentimental feelings about going back to a place that you have fond feelings for? Yeah, I think this is my 16th time being back there on the road. So, um, you know, maybe 20-some years ago when I first went back, but great appreciation for that city, for that organization, but uh, focus is with us. Coach, with Daniel Jones not playing in the ball game, how much, if at all, does the game plan change against a team like Buffalo? Yeah, I think you, you know, take into account who your quarterback is, but you also take into account who the offensive line is, who the receivers are. So, um, you know, we've been working through that throughout the week and try to put the best um, game plan we can together for, for Tyrod. Coach, Tyrod Taylor was a pro bowler with the Bills in 2015. Does his experience give you confidence that he can do a good job in this game? Yeah, Tyrod's a pro, so he's going to go out there and, and put his best foot forward and do everything he can do to put us in a good situation. Let's talk a little bit about uh, your football team. Obviously, you've had a mix and match in a lot of different places, and you're asking people to step up. You've had a bunch of injuries. Um, how do you keep everybody focused and on the same page when you're dealing with a lot of adversity throughout the course of the lineup? Yeah, that's that's the job when you're in the NFL. You know, there's going to be injuries. There's going to be things that happen, and it's you know the next person has to do the best job they can do of, of preparing, getting ready, and to play their best. You know, just looking back at last week as we get ready to spin forward to next week, you get the pick six. You know, how much of a momentum switch was it when Miami was able to drive it at the end of the half and at least get three? No, that was a, that was a good play. But uh, again, you're always trying to play well at the end of the half, the beginning of the, the second half. Um, so to give up three, and then they went out there and they hit that big one, um, you know, they regained control of the game. All right, we'll take a look at the Buffalo Bills and led by quarterback Josh Allen. They're coming off a tough loss last week in London against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, Josh Allen leads the NFL in completion percentage between throwing and running. He leads the league with 14 touchdowns. You know, he's such a unique athlete. What are some of the things that – make him so difficult to deal with and what are some of the things that people don't see that make him difficult to deal with well his physical skill set he's an exceptional quarterback that can make every throw uh, he's extremely smart knows where to go with the football and then he can create the, the second play or at times with him the third play uh, so you know staying in coverage plastering the receivers while also you know trying to do a good job of containing him when he does break the pocket is always a challenge, um, but he's done that for a long time, and he just gets better and better. What about the football IQ part of it? Because you work closely with him, his his grasp and understanding of what defenses are trying to do to him. Yeah, I'd say that, and, and having full control of the offense. That you know he's been there for quite some time. Um, he's played a lot of games. Um, look, he's he's one of the, the smarter guys that I've been around in terms of understanding what you're trying to do offensively seeing coverage, seeing defenders, um, 
he knows when to go ahead and, and take those shots. Um, he knows how to check the ball down. He has firm control of the offense. Um, you can see it. You know, I've seen it for the years I was there. You see it on tape. Um, he's just he's one heck of a player. He's one of the best players in the league. Stephon Diggs is third in the league with 39 receptions, sixth in yardage. We know what kind of playmaker he is, but it seems as if Gabe Davis is starting to round into form after a slow start. Uh, what makes Davis such a good second weapon? Yeah, I don't know. I wouldn't even say second weapon. He's just a weapon. Uh, yeah, that's you true. Know, the last game I was with him, he had four touchdowns in a big primetime game in the playoffs. Uh, he's very, very smart. He's dependable. He's got good hands. Um, and he's a, he's one heck of a player. You know, they have good skill players with a, a quarterback that knows how to get him the ball, and it's a tough offense to defend. Defensively, uh, they lead the league in sacks. They're number one in takeaways with 13 of them. Now, they've lost some key players. Tredavious White got hurt a few weeks ago, and then unfortunately they lost Matt Milano, but they're getting Von Miller back. Uh, defensively, what are some of the areas that Buffalo does really well and that you guys are going to have to be high alert on? Well, I think they run an aggressive scheme in terms of, you know, the four guys that are rushing are, are very good. I think Coach Washington does a great job with, with them of how to rush the passer. Uh, they're quick off the ball and create issues in the run game by their penetration. Uh, linebackers fast flow downfield, the safeties. Um, they shoot gaps. They create negative plays that way. Uh, and then, obviously, the turnover. They're, they're very fast defense. Um, you know, it's a zone defense primarily with a little bit of man-to-man -man coverage. They do a great job of reading the quarterback. And then, you know, they do a great job of finishing on the quarterback when they get those sacks to, to cause some strip sacks. They had two last week against Lawrence in the red zone against Jacksonville. Um, so when you have a defense that can get after the passer and, and take the ball away, um, that's a tough defense. Coach, final question. Um, I mean, I know getting off to a fast start is always important for every NFL game, but when you're going into an environment like Buffalo in primetime where there truly is a big-time home field advantage, how important is it to try to keep the game stable early so that you can then settle into the game? Yeah, communication will be important. It's uh, you know, truly the 12th man there. They're, it's loud. Uh, it's very, very loud. Um, and when they're playing well, it's, you know, it gives them a lot to cheer for, and it gets harder on the offense uh, because of how loud it is. Uh, but we're going to have to do a good job of just focusing on our job, our responsibility. It's going to be loud regardless. So I know we've played on the road a lot. Um, this is a unique place on a primetime game, like you said, and you know we're going to really have to focus in on, on doing the things that we need to do, our, our communication, um, our detail, and then ultimately our execution. Coach, we appreciate a couple minutes. Best of luck. Thanks, Bob. Great job by Bob with Coach Dable. We thank Lance and Vic and Xavier McKinney for joining us on the Friday edition of the Giants Little Podcast, brought to you by Citizens, the official bank of the New York football Giants. We thank our crew. Don't forget, for coverage of the game on game day, check out our pregame show. It'll come your way on Sunday night at 6.20 with kickoff at 8.20 on WFAN right here in New York. And check out our special live Saturday edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live at 9 a.m. on WFAN here in New York. Thanks for being with us. We'll see you next time on the Giants Little Podcast. Enjoy your weekend. You never want to find yourself out on the water fishing without the essentials. So it's best to always pack a Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie to protect against the sun. I mean, it provides great protection, and it's really breathable so you don't get hot. 
That's a win-win. Columbia PFG has a lot of great gear. So before you head out on the water, head over to Columbia.com slash PFG to shop their performance fishing gear. Tired of pickup truck bed chaos? Meet Decked. Game-changing USA-made full bed-length drawers for tools and gear. Waterproof, dustproof, lockable, secure. Whether you're working, hunting, fishing, camping, or just getting out of town. And introducing Decked Deco Cases. Tough, modular, problem-solving cases built for the truck, job site, campsite, or garage. Say goodbye to random bins and tie-downs. Order now at Decked.com slash iHeart for free shipping. Decked. Your truck, your rules. Decked.com forward slash iHeart.